Welcome to the Bombshell Business Podcast, where driven women in business learn how to become more bold, brave, and unwaveringly confident, feel empowered, and challenged through inspiring stories, and tell it like it is advice for business, life, and leadership. Bombshell, welcome back. I'm so happy to have you back with me, hanging out, chit-chatting about how to be a bombshell businesswoman, how to be that bold, brave, unwaveringly confident fempreneur, as I know you've already heard in the intro, but the more and more I hear from you, the more I know I need to say that on repeat. So um, go back 15 seconds, listen to it again and again and again until you have that level of confidence that is going to enable you to do the things, to do the things. Um, you know, I've been hearing frequently, I wish I had the confidence that you have. And honestly, I've got, I've got problems and insecurities and hiccups and everything just like anybody who listens to this podcast does. Um, the only difference is, is that I really know what it is that I do well, and I just want to help people with that. And so I'm not going to let anything get in the way of that. And, and that's my encouragement to you before we even dive into this episode, which does go a little bit long. So um, if you're driving to work or whatever, um, this might be a, a on the way to work and on the way back kind of episode. Um, as always, I want to give a shout out um, to listeners who leave a rating and review. Um, I always appreciate that because you giving the podcast street cred is way more powerful than me saying like, hey, listen to my podcast because obviously I'm the one who's doing it and I do want to help more people. And so the more that you do things like this and share it with your friends, the more people that I can help um, in that is just a beautiful thing. So this particular review is titled Fantastic. And it's the Evanly Ewan group, I think. Um, Amber does a fantastic job on these podcasts. Great information and motivation. Um, thank you very much for that. Um, I appreciate it. I love a sweet, succinct, this is what it's about kind of review. So uh, thank you as always. Also, um, before we dive into today's interview with Rebecca, um, I just want to thank you as well for booking times with me to chat. Um, on the last episode, I asked you to um, hop on my calendar and grab a 15 minute slot, not so that I can pitch you on anything, but just because I want to understand where you are in your business and um, what problems that you have so I can make sure that I bring the right content to you and teach you about the things that you need to learn about. Okay, so those are all the housekeeping points and the announcements, and uh, let's dive into today's episode. If you are ever going to hire somebody, if you're thinking about hiring somebody, if, um, if you're even going to hire a vendor that you're going to work with uh, a lot, this is your episode. Um, I'm very excited to introduce Rebecca Barnes-Hogg, and let's dive right in, Bombshell. Okay, Bombshells, as promised, I have the expert hiring extraordinaire on the line, and we are going to be speaking with Rebecca Barnes-Hogg who is a serial connector of small businesses with their ideal employees. You hear me talk about ideal customers. She is the ideal employees master. She first discovered this talent as a teenager when she helped her high school classmates find summer jobs. Her career in corporate America encompassed all facets of business. Rebecca organized 
reorganized early. I'm sorry. We're going to have to do that again. And I'm going to okay. put my glasses on. Sorry. <laughs> Rebecca recognized early on that at the center of every business is its people. Throughout her career, Rebecca excelled at putting the right people in the right positions to make things happen. In 2011, she founded YOLO Insights to make sure that no small business is held back because they are unable to find the talented people they need. Her passion for hunting purple unicorns, or in real life words, ideal employees, shows in the transformations she helps small businesses achieve. Rebecca's recruiting insights have been featured in Inc.com, Business News Daily, U.S. News and World Report, CBS Small Business Pulse, Market Watch, Hotel Executive, and HR Magazine. Rebecca is also a co-author of Rethinking Human Resources. And I got to tell you from experience, this book is pretty straightforward and fun. I've read it. She's outlined seven bite-sized, easily digestible chapters on how to hire without all of the massive headaches. Rebecca, welcome to the Bombshell Business Podcast. Hey, Amber. Glad to be here. So I love your approach on everything hiring. I think we agree so much and I can't wait to dive into very specific questions that bombshells can take and apply to their businesses. But before we dive into the principles of the book, I got to hear your craziest interview story ever. <laughs> it's hard to pick just one. <laughs> but when you do thousands and thousands of them over your career, like I have learned that I will never, I, I, there, there's always something that I haven't heard before. But I think the craziest one was probably the guy who showed up for his interview in this outrageous outfit. And this is like an ultra conservative, you know, suit and tie kind of, you know, professional organization and just proceeded to tell me about how he hated conservative people. And, you know, there's no way he could work, you know, a nine to five in the office job. And I looked at him and I was like, whoa, wait a minute here. Did you read the ad? Did you not? <laughs> Wow. not know what kind of company you're coming into like did you not see the you know no clues on the way in so um yeah that was a quick and then, interview then right <laughs> <laughs> that was fast yeah there wasn't there wasn't much to that but I think my other craziest one um was the guy who came in and said you know I might be late for work sometimes you know because I, I like to uh get high and party on the weekends and sometimes I just can't get up in the morning <laughs> Wow. Like, well, okay, well, I appreciate your honesty. I don't think that's going to work for us here. Oh, wow. So, okay, bombshells, top that. In fact, I would love that. I would love if you would find either leave in the comments in the show notes, amberhurdle.com forward slash podcast, and then uh, look for Rebecca's episode, or find us on Facebook or Twitter or wherever I'm posting these. Um, and, and tell us your craziest story. I think that would be awesome. Although I am high and drunk on the weekends and I might not make it on time could that could be the one that the best one I've ever heard <laughs> <laughs> I know can you believe 
people actually say these things. That's what's just amazing to me. And and I've always said, you know, I have to write a book about all this crazy <laughs> stuff. But then I'm like, gosh, you know, people could say, oh, that's about me and sue me. And I'm like, no, these stories are better just left for, uh, you know, fun fun things between friends. Yeah, so. <laughs> good, good um, cocktail party conversation. <laughs> right, right. Well, so as you know, I was reading your book on the beach a couple of weeks ago, and I kept shaking my head in agreement, and my husband was like, what are you reading? And I showed it to me. I was like, oh, okay, that makes perfectly good sense, because we have a lot of similar views on hiring and, and just the whole employee process. So, you know, you came at it from a, a unique perspective that I think is the new normal that maybe not everybody has caught up with. So I want to start with this question that I think will get our bombshells brains flowing in the right direction for the, the type of mindset that you have to have going into the hiring process. So explain to us why you apply marketing principles to the hiring process. That's like the essence. You hit it right on. That's what I do. And people don't understand that this isn't 1980 anymore where employers drive the job market. If you've been following the economic news, you know that this country right now, for all the other problems and stuff going on out there, is at virtually full employment. So what that means is the great people you need work for someone else right now. And they're not actively looking because they have a secure job for the most part. They're making decent money. They're okay with what they do. But if someone approaches them with an opportunity, they're going to listen. They're open to that. And that's why marketing comes in. Because unless you're out there marketing your company and your jobs, people don't know about you. And there are a lot of statistics right now that say, you know, posting on job boards is not effective anymore. So you have to do a lot of different thinking about how you hire. And I just cringe when I tell, you know, people come to me and say, there are no good people out there. I don't, you know, how are these companies surviving with, with, you know, the horrible employees that are out there? And I always ask them, like, well, how are you looking for your employees? Well, I I put an ad on a job board and I don't get any resumes or I get really crappy resumes. And I said, okay, well, what kind of ad are you using? Well, just put the job description up there. Like, okay. And when was the last time you um, edited that or updated (laughs) it or, you know, dusted it off from the shelf where you shoved it after you wrote it 10 years ago? And they're like, oh, well, why would I need to do that? Like, oh, no. oh boy, yeah, we have a lot of work to do here. But it really is about, you know, how do you find the person you want to work for you and then engage them and make them really want to come to work for you? You have to motivate them to leave their current job and come to you because you're better in some way. And it's not always about money. Yeah. And it's not even necessarily leave their current job, but if they're interviewing, say they don't have a job for whatever reason, and they and but they're an exceptional candidate, they're going to be selected by other 
uh, other companies. So if it's you versus the other two companies, and to your point, it's not always about money. What are you bringing to the table in terms of your employee brand that makes them say, oh, I have to have this. So with that in mind, what's wrong with using a job description as your job ad? If your job descriptions read like a to-do list, <laughs> that is so boring. Like if you fall asleep reading your own job description, that's what's wrong. <laughs> and I see so many of them. What you really want is to attract people to the value of the job. So that's a different tweak in thinking. So, you know, a lot of times a job ad will start out with, you know, we're the um, world's greatest widget maker and we've won all these awards and we're just great and, you know, we have this job come work for us. Well, that doesn't tell me what my job in your, in your company is going to be. What I want to know is who am I going to work with? What kind of people? What kind of projects am I going to work on? What's the impact of those projects? And, you know, am I even going to like working in your office? Like, what's your office like? Is it casual? Is it conservative? Um, is there even an office anymore? Because more and more companies are going virtual. So you need to answer the questions that are important to the person you want to come work for you. So those questions might be, you know, what's, what's a day look like? You know, how am I going to spend my time? Am I going to sit in endless meetings where nothing gets done? Or am I going to be out there working shoulder to shoulder with the owner of the company, you know, making a change or transformation in the world? That's what's going to get people excited and click on your job ad. And, and if you're using only job ads, that's a whole nother topic. And we can touch on that later if, if you want to go down that road. But you know, you really need to build that excitement about why the work matters. What's the purpose of it? What are the outcomes? Because that's increasingly important to people. Yeah, that outcome. And, and that's just like marketing your product, right? You don't, you would never market your product with, um, oh gosh, I don't know, like here's a widget and here's all the little technical things that go into this widget. You don't market the features you market the benefits that's not to say you can't talk about the features but it's like here's how this widget is going to solve your problem and so it's the same thing with inviting people to become a part of your work family to be a part of that culture and and to be able to be a representative of your brand experience to uh, their fellow employees and to customers that's that is a different world than here's your to-do list. Are you capable of doing it? Right, right. It really is. It's a mindset shift and it's hard for a lot of people to make that. And the other thing too, that I think people kind of get stuck in that old way of, of thinking about recruiting and hiring is that people have a, not a linear career path anymore. Right. You know, it could be steps and some of those steps could be kept, could be going backwards and they're learning related but different skills. So they may be in different industries and pick up a skill that would be perfect for you, but they don't have experience in your industry or in your exact position. And a lot of companies rule those candidates out. And that's a huge miss yeah. because having that broader range of experience and looking more at the transferability of the skills 
is more critical than, you know, checking off those boxes on, you know, they have to have, you know, if you're in construction, for example, they have to have construction experience. Well, where else might they gain that experience outside of construction? You know, so thinking differently about where you find people and where good people could come from. I have a great example of this. One of my clients um, does industrial tools. So think huge tools that move, you know, gigantic pieces of equipment. So the clients are, you know, large engineering companies, could be government agencies like NASA, and their salespeople have to understand sort of thinking in 3D and geospatial relationships um, to help their customers pick the right tools for the job. So we had gotten a resume from somebody who installed, you know, those massive aquariums sometimes you see in restaurants where it's the full wall or part of a wall. That was this man's background. And they're like, an aquarium installer? Like, how, how could that guy sell these tools? Well, think about how he had to fit these aquariums into these spaces. He had to know the right shapes. He had to understand weight and how much water weighs and salt water versus unsalt water and like all this kind of stuff that went into the thinking and the planning about installing these aquariums were the exact same skills that they needed to help clients figure out what tool they needed to move this heavy equipment. So just thinking outside of the norm or, or allowing someone to present those ideas to you is something that too many people just aren't open to and it hurts them. One thing that I say ad nauseum is I can teach a front desk person how to, how to run a register or book a, an appointment, but I can't teach her or him how to smile. And right. that is, and people look at me funny. I'm like, no, really think about all of those front desk experiences that you've had walking into a myriad of doctor's offices or salons or pick anything, the, the veterinarian and think about what that very first brand impression was. Were they right. amazing on paper and they can handle all these back end systems without having to train them? Probably. But how did you feel as a customer when they didn't even greet you, say hello, smile at you or anything? Right. Excuse me. Oh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I had a hotel client who came to me and said, you know, our front desk staff is constant turnover. Like we just can't get friendly people. So the first question I ask is, you know, the people you're hiring, when they come in to interview, are they smiling? <laughs> yeah. Are <laughs> they friendly? Like, like what? Bonus and I'm question. like, yeah, when they walk in the door, are they like, do they look happy? Are they smiling? Do they have, you know, high energy? And they're like, Why? what? And I'm like, those are the qualities you want. So <laughs> why aren't you looking for them the minute you set eyes on them? Stop looking at the paper. Start looking at the person. Right, right. So I, this is one thing that I know probably earns you and I both a lot of business, and that's knowing the cost of a bad hire or of turnover. And I'm not real sure that that is something that small business owners really quantify like big business does. So can you talk to us a little bit about that, how much a bad hire costs you in the long run? Sure. One of my clients runs a little coffee shop cafe, and she was one of the early readers of my book, 
the YOLO principle. And after reading it, she came to me and she said, oh, I could have used this book like five years ago when I opened. Do you know how many people I would not have hired? <laughs> I said, okay, so let's do some math here. Like, what does this really cost you? So we went through the number of you know, extra hours she had to put in fixing things they did wrong. Then we looked at, um, you know, customers who didn't come back. And she had a, um, a couple that would come in every day for their morning coffee and they just disappeared. And then one day they came back in again and they said, oh, we heard, you know, that employee we didn't like was gone. So now we're back. And she said, with tears in her eyes, she's like, Rebecca, how many others were out there? They never told me. Why didn't I know this? And it's because you're not focused on tracking those things. She had no systems in place to track customers, no mailing lists so that she could identify when somebody you know, wasn't coming in or um, no surveys for customer feedback and what they liked or didn't like. So she had no mechanisms to collect that feedback. But when we sat down and we talked about it, she realized she's like, oh, my God. I would have so much money in my bank account, like we're talking multiple six figures, if I had not hired at least five or six of the people that I've had work here in the last three years. So it can be heartbreaking. I mean, she was literally in tears as we're having this conversation. So, and, and that's really the heart of why I do what I do, is I don't want any business owner to have to experience that. Because you put your heart and soul in your business when you start it. And, and it just, um, you know, it breaks my heart when I watch small businesses struggle and not be successful when it's really easy, some shifts in thinking and some, you know, little work behind the scenes and it, and life could be so much different for them. Absolutely. You know, even just doing some quick math, um, I recently became a customer of a business and after the second time, because of just some of some of the employees just didn't have it together, and that's frustrating to me because I, I move quickly. I mean, we were just talking, you know, kind of pre-show how busy we both were, and you know, and not busy for the sake of being busy, busy because we are abundantly blessed with being able to do what we love for work. And so I don't, I don't want to have to backtrack and do the job of somebody else as a customer, like I already do that right. in my business every day. So right. I almost changed where I was going to go. And because of the quality of, of what it was that I was actually going for, I decided to grit my teeth and suck it up and, and continue to be a customer. However, doing quick math just now, had I left and I absolutely could have and should have, and anybody with you know a reasonable mindset would agree. Um, just the customer service was terrible. Um, that would have been eight hundred dollars just to date, just to date that this business would have lost because of two experiences with two employees that totally dropped the ball. Right, right. Eight hundred dollars. Right. That's well, a this lot of coffee, money for a small business owner. It it is, and this um, coffee shop owner. You know, we calculated just this one couple was over $2,000 over the course of wow. six months. And and the unknown piece of that is how many others did the same thing that she didn't even know about? Yeah, just times, that's just times one. Right. Think about all the right. different people. 
Right. Yeah. So if there were 10 or 50 other customers, think about what difference that would make in your quality of life. Yeah. Like, would you be awake at 2 a.m. wondering how you're going to pay your bills or whether or not you were going to have to close your business down? Yeah. You know, those are questions I don't think any business owner should have to think about at 2 a.m. When you can just take a few steps on the front end, which is the perfect segue because I'm holding, I'm shaking my book at the computer, <laughs> looking at your picture on the Skype screen as we conduct this interview. And it's great. I mean, this whole book, I mean, like I said at the beginning, it's very approachable. Um, it's they're bite sized nuggets. There's funny little poems in here. Um, little call outs and quotes, everything is broken down in a way that if you have two seconds to, to grab a concept, then you can make it through this book. I promise. Even if you're not a big reader, um, it's got like googly eyes on the front, but it's not cheesy. That's the thing that I love about it. It's just fun, which brings me to the title, the YOLO principle. Tell me like, why, why did you name your book, the YOLO principle? <laughs> Well, part of my own personal philosophy is you only live once. And so your life should be the best possible life you can make it. So in my personal life, I don't I don't suffer through people who don't lift me up, support me. Um, and that's not to say that anyone who challenges me is out of my life, but they have to do it in a way that is helpful, not hurtful. Right. So the, the negative people, the people that just suck your time and energy, I eliminate those people from my life. And when I started my business, you know, through my career, I worked with a lot of really smart people who were just always in the wrong jobs. And I, I felt bad for them because they were, you know, being let go or they were miserable. And I was like, life is too short for this. You only live once. Let's make it a great life for everyone. And so when I wrote this book and particularly focused on that small business owner, because in my work as a recruiter, I found that the people who needed my help the most were the ones that struggled the most with cash flow. And so this was my way of giving them a foundation to start from yeah. so that they could gain that cash flow that maybe later on when they were, you know, um, not as stressed out by these things, they could outsource this, you know, to someone, me or whoever, who would be able to help them with this hiring. So it's something they didn't have to worry about anymore. And I tell everyone I work with, um, life's too short. You shouldn't have to work with someone who's a jerk, someone who drains your time, your energy, sucks the life out of you. And how many times, whether we work for someone else or we have our own business, do you have people in your life that are doing that to you? And that's why this book, I wanted to make it fun. I wanted to make it lighthearted. I understand everyone is so time crunched anymore with hundreds of things competing for our attention all at the same time. So you can read it in any order. It doesn't matter. Um, like you said, it's laid out in a way that, you know, if you're standing in line somewhere, you can grab it and just read a, a paragraph or two and it makes sense. And, and you don't have to, you know, start at the beginning and go to the end. And the, and the poems are, are they're so cheesy. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice and bright. It's like all of this thinking and then bam. <laughs> right. But you know what? It's those cheesy things that help us remember concepts. Yep. Right. You know, it was those cheesy little mnemonics when we were in school that helped us remember the things that we had to remember to take the test. Right. Totally. Still, I yeah. still do that. I still, all I those little things that we learned in elementary school is how I remember them now. Uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. So, it works. 
one of the principles in um, the yellow principle is clarity. So um, real big on one of the pages here, job descriptions help you gain clarity about the tools and resources. Those are two of my favorite words too. You will mm -hmm. need to provide for new employees to be successful. And then you talk about clarity in other areas as well. Can you tell us why clarity specifically is such an important principle in this book? I, I can't, I mean, I could talk for days on clarity. You know, it, it really goes to the heart of things. How many times have you hired someone or asked someone to do something and it was not even remotely close to what you wanted? And it's because we all have different perspectives on life. And, you know, I'll say to my husband, you know, we, we, we learn to get clear in our communication early in our relationship. I would say to him, you know, I want you to take out the trash. Well, in his mind, there were no parameters around that. You know, did I want it now, later, today, next week? So in his mind, it went into the I'll get to it pile. When what I really meant was this trash smells disgusting. Get it out of my kitchen right this minute. <laughs> but I didn't say that. And so I would get frustrated when he didn't do it immediately. And then I'd go do it myself and I'd be angry about it. So put that in a work context. How many times have you done that with an employee? I need you to do something, but you don't tell them what you mean by that. Yeah. So you have to understand what you want people to do. What are those outcomes? That's what we talked about, you know, in terms of advertising and, and getting that marketing, that recruitment marketing mindset is knowing what you want them to accomplish, not just what you want them to do. So if you're hiring someone to do your bookkeeping for you, what do you want out of that bookkeeping? Other than, you know, they, they have the data entry in there and you want that in the right place. But what's the purpose of that? You know, you're going to want certain reports. How do you want those reports to look? What time frame do you need them in? What kind of decisions are you going to make with those reports? Do you want someone to look at those reports and analyze them and point out things that you might miss? You know, there's a hundred different ways that you could want that bookkeeper to do the job. So you need to clearly tell those people what you need, why you need it, what the deadlines are, what the timeframes are. And you have to define what success looks like in that position, right? Because if you don't, that makes those performance conversations so much more difficult. How many times, either as an employee or as a, a, a boss giving feedback to an employee, have you heard or even said yourself, oh, I didn't know that's what you wanted. Right. The first right. time. Yeah, that's the first time I ever heard that. Like, those are words that <laughs> should never be said. Yes. And I think there's, you know, I'm so passionate about being very clear on expectations and training. And, you know, I'm a small, super small business, um, but I have an intranet with training and videos and access to hear all the tools that you need. And if you need to get into this product, then this is how you go about doing it. Because in my career, and and I was brought in most of the time, I know this shocks everybody considering what I do with, you know, brand clarity and rebrands and that sort of thing, but I have been brought in to either create a position or to transform a position. And I was shown like, here's your desk and over there in that room 
there is, um, you know, that's where you can get your paper clips and stuff. And like, that was my training. <laughs> that was I it. know. I and know. So, and then like, so, okay. So my desk is to just make sure it's filled with paper clips. Yeah. What, what, <laughs> that's my job. What's next? And it's like, you start right. going to meetings and you start catching on and then you kind of figure out what it is that your boss wants and, and you make the best of it. But what if I was trained properly and with all of that intuition that I was wasting on just the basics, I could actually apply it to making the the business better. I mean, that's, that's insane. And in my, um, in my content, uh, in, in the bombshell businesswoman, which I wrote for the same reason you wrote your book is like, okay, well maybe you can't afford me, but you've got $14 and 99 cents. So here's your, here's right. your starter point. And then like get some things together and then maybe you'll have that budget. But in my training, uh, dealing with employees area, I specifically say, tell them where the bathroom is. Like nobody should have to go ask somebody on their first day of work where they can handle like life's calling. <laughs> like, right. just, where right. do I put my lunch? <laughs> I mean, very basic things. But if those, if you're leaving out those type of things, then being clear on here's the expectation, here's how we're going to measure. Um, if you're doing great, that open and honest feedback, like, hey, you rock that out. I'm so proud of you. Um, here's why that matters to giving them that immediate feedback of, okay, well, that was a little bit of a miss and here's why, but if you do it this way, then I know you're going to crush it next time. I mean, those are just being right. clear with people is, is so important. And I know that's, I know that's not the hiring side of things, but it's those conversations that you have to keep top of mind when you're going through the hiring process. Can somebody, the person that you're interviewing can that person handle that kind of immediate feedback in a fast paced environment of a small business while you're also trying to like, remember if you dropped your kid's lunch off at school? I mean, this is the world that we're living in, in small town America, small business, which is the majority of my listeners. So. Right, right. And, you know, I would argue, Amber, that that is the kind of conversation you need to have in an interview because as small business owners, our way of working is going to be very different from someone, a company with 100 employees or 200 employees. My clients are typically 50 employees or less. And with the sweet spot being about 15 to 20. So that's a very different environment. And if you're interviewing someone who might be, you know, a corporate escapee, and they're used to an environment where they have tons of support and you're going to put them in an environment where they're going to do everything themselves. Like there's no admin to, you know, go get their paper clips when they run out or, you know, respond to routine email or, or things like that. You need to know up front before you ever hire them, before they ever become an employee, if that's something they're willing to do. And I've had that frank conversation with people. In fact, I'm doing a search right now for a small company. They have five employees. And one of the things that they want is someone who can work very closely and collaboratively. And they had hired people who came from bigger engineering firms. And the problem they had is they weren't used to doing things themselves. They had that support system. And when they were in this collaborative environment where they need to communicate every day, all day long with the rest of the team, and they weren't doing that because they were used to being more independent, it didn't work. 
And so I think you do need to have those conversations right up front. You know, here's our environment. And that's why when you're recruiting and writing those ads, I put that front and center. You know, I, I had a client where um, I love her to death. She's one of my favorites, but she's the energizer bunny on steroids. That woman is like nonstop ball of fire energy. And she needs people who can keep up with that. And that's the first line of our, our job posting when we put that out there. You know, are you constantly energized and on fire and ready to hit it hard? Because if you are, we want to talk to you. If not, move on to the next ad because this isn't for you. And, and you make it really clear and people self-select out. So think about the time now that you're not spending on people who won't work out. Yeah. You know, you save that interview time, that going through the process and, you know, the worst possible situation, they make it through the whole, whole process, you hire them, and then two or three months later, you have to let them go because you both understand now that this isn't a good fit and it's not going to work. I always tell, and I have for a long, long time, I, I consider myself a strong leader. I hope that I've been a strong leader, especially since I teach it. Uh, but the, <laughs> the thing that I tell my employees when I was in corporate or even now is I am the bipolar leader. Now, that sounds very scary on the front end, but here's what happens when you're in communication and engagement and events and branding and marketing. I'm either going to be all on it and leading the way and making sure that everybody knows their piece of the pie or I want to be told what to do. Once I hand that ball off to you, once I have mapped it all out and answered all the questions, if you need something from me, you have to approach me. I'm not going to try to, through osmosis, figure out if you're struggling. You've got to be open and honest with me and say, I need this from you. Or here's the roadblock that I hit. I need you to move this roadblock for me. Or I don't know what to do with this whatever those questions are, then you tell me what I have to do to make you be successful. And I almost feel like those roles switch a little bit. And so now I'm more of like an inverted pyramid style of leadership. So planning, total trickle down. Once, once we're in implementation phase, I'm like, you tell me what to do and I'm going to make it happen for you. And that's not something that a lot of people can handle. I mean, if you're not comfortable pushing back or saying, Amber, you're moving too fast. You didn't think about this then you're not a good fit for me. <laughs> right. Or even, hey, Amber, you blew through that so fast I didn't catch it all. I need right. you to slow down and repeat whatever it is I missed. Yes, absolutely. And my team knows that they can, I mean, we just tell it like it is. We don't have a lot of time. And so if that's your style, you need to be upfront with that, um, especially when you're a, a super small business um, like ours are. Okay, so I want to cram in one more thing before we get to the juicy stuff of like where to find your book and all that good stuff. Um, can you give a small behind the scenes look at some of your insightful interview questions? Oh, uh, this is my favorite part because it's almost like being a detective, right? Yes. You know, um, I, I get people all the time that say, I ask these questions because they were on the 10 best questions to ask in an interview. I found them on an interview. It was in a Forbes article. It was in Entrepreneur Magazine or someplace like that. Well, the problem is, is that whoever wrote those questions wrote them for their business and their business is really different from your business. So they're great questions to ask, but you just need to know how to use them to get the information you need. So, you know, I'll use some of the cliched ones. 
you know, we all hate that question. Tell me about your strengths. Tell me about your weaknesses. And we all know that when we ask those questions, we're probably not getting the truth. So what I do is I take those questions because we do want to know where people are strongest in weakness or weakest. And the way we ask that question gets flipped around a little bit. And so we say something like, could you tell me about a time when you were faced with a situation and you had no idea what to do? You didn't have knowledge or skills or resources. Something was missing and you were kind of at a roadblock. Well, that's going to tell you strengths and weaknesses in one question because you're asking them about a situation that everyone has faced whether it's our personal life or a professional life, we've all hit those things where it's like, oh my God, what do I do now? I don't know what I should, where to start. So when you don't know what to do, that's a weakness. And how you approach that weakness, you know, where do you go for help? Do you do your own research? Do you find somebody who's done it before? Do you ask questions? Do you dump it in your supervisor's lap and say, hey, I don't know what I'm doing, so I'm going to leave it with you and I'm going to go home for the day? Yeah. You know, right? (laughs) So, you know, depending on what you need in your organization, that you might want that person to come to you immediately and tell you the problem. But you might be someone like me or like you, Amber, where like if there's a problem, you need to do your best to figure it out. And if you can't, then I want you to come to me. Right. You know, so those are important things to know. And you have to know ahead of time which answer you want. And then you can get a good uh, response to that. Another thing I love to ask people is to tell me about a time when you were proud of something that you did, like your greatest accomplishment. So that gives me a sense of what's important to people. And one of the best answers I received was from someone I was considering for a C-level position who told me the story about how he persevered and went through all sorts of hoops to adopt his son from China. So how he overcame obstacles, how he stayed possible, positive, how he stayed focused on the goal, didn't let things uh, weigh him down, managed all the minutia of the legalities between the U.S. and the Chinese law and and the disappointments and the roller coaster ride around the, 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 the whole process. And then the joy he felt when he finally held his son in his arms, it still to this day gives me chills when I think about that interview. And that's the kind of passion and you know, kind of focus on a goal and a mission that we needed in that C-level executive for the position we were hiring. And this guy beat out someone who had the perfect resume and did everything else perfectly. But it was that question about what they were most proud of that differentiated them from the other candidates and caused him to get the job rather than the other three that were in consideration. So just really know what you need to know before you even start asking a question. And then the other caution I give people is don't give away the answer you want. How many times have you been asked, tell me about a problem you solved? Well, hello, (laughs) maybe I only ever solved one problem, so that's what I'm gonna tell you. And then the other 99% of the time, I don't solve problems. I ignore them till they become disasters or whatever. So really be intentional about those questions. Yeah, I love that. And wouldn't you agree that there's a little bit of gut instinct that goes in on this too, that maybe on paper they don't look like the perfect fit, maybe uh, candidate B has the perfect fit, but in those conversations like you just explored, 
something bubbles up that connects with you at a deeper level that may, maybe it's not like, oh, I like this person. I'd like to, you know, have a, a glass of wine with them. Like they're not necessarily always the good employees, but it's like a, I connect with this person from a values perspective at a different level and I trust them to treat my business the way I would treat my business. Right. I think there is, but I think you have to validate those assumptions. And yes. I, I tell my clients all the time that people get horrible advice about what to put on a resume and relying only on what's a resume, what's on the resume is a huge mistake because there's a story behind the person and you kind of have to learn to look between what's written on the page and what you might know about the position. So I'll go back to like the guy who installed aquariums. Like when you looked at his resume, you were thinking, ain't no way this guy can do this job. But yet when he came in and interviewed his, I mean, think about the people who spend the money on wall sized aquariums. They're not your average homeowner who spends a couple hundred dollars on a you know, we're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars that these huge wall-sized saltwater aquariums fill. So customer service was phenomenal. It came through every answer that this guy gave. So if we had relied only on that resume, we would have missed out on this phenomenal employee. So you have to learn to read between the lines and then listen to the story. Like we all have stories behind us and it's hard to put your entire story on a piece of paper. And we force people to put it in one or two pages because a resume really, a resume gets looked at between five to seven seconds. And if something on there doesn't immediately catch your eye, you move on to the next because we're time crunch. We have time to read seven pages of a resume. So you want the essence of your values and your ability to give results to be at the highlight of that resume, that very first couple lines. Otherwise, you know, a recruiter or hiring manager, whoever's going to pass that by. But sometimes there'll be a word or a phrase that will cause me to take a second look and read deeper, even if it's not on that, you know, top front of mind. So I think there is a little gut instinct in there. I think it comes with a lot of practice. And if you're doing it on your own, I would caution you to not rely solely on it until you've done it enough times to know whether your gut instinct is accurate, because a lot of times it's not accurate. You know, we think we know things and our gut's telling us one thing, but yet um, it's like, you know, the guy I hired early in my business to do my website, I paid him a lot of money and I got scammed. Yeah. You know, he was a great guy. He talked the talk. He had all the right answers. And there was kind of this little niggling doubt in my mind that I kind of pushed down and I shouldn't have, you know, I should have relied on my gut instinct in that situation and I didn't. So that was a validation to me that, hey, you know, after being in business in the corporate world for, you know, over 25 years, I, I need to pay attention to that gut instinct. Yeah. So you're saying listen to your gut, but validate it with some kind of evidence. Exactly. Yeah. Love it. Like call the references. Oh my gosh. How many people don't call references, but that's, that's a whole other topic. <laughs> I know. I just wrote a blog post about that a couple of weeks ago. Oh good. Well, we'll have to yeah. link to that in the show notes because that's, yeah. a, that's a, that's a pretty crazy train one that I will never understand. So you covered so much goodness in this one little episode. Where can people buy a copy of the yellow principle? It is available on Amazon. It's on Kindle and in paperback. 
they can also just get it directly from my website, which is the yoloprinciple.com. So pretty easy. Okay. Love it. Love it. And I recommend just because, um, I mean, this is me and I, I, I like books to begin with, but this is a really pretty book and it's, it's laid out really well. There's color that's used and I think it's just easier to digest and consume. Um, and then you can do highlights and dog ear and there's some um, like the hiring cost calculator and there's checklists and all kinds of stuff in the book. So I, my suggestion is get on Amazon and, and order the paperback. Maybe um, if you just can't wait for the paperback to get to you, then then get the Kindle version as well. And, you know, Amber, if they get the, the paperback on Amazon and shoot me an email with their Amazon receipt, I'll email them the um, e uh, document so they can just dive right in online. Oh, look at that. All right. Okay, bombshells. You just you just got the bounty handed to you. So we'll we'll make sure that all of that is in the show notes, amberhurdle.com forward slash podcast with an S and look for Rebecca's episode and uh, you could take advantage of that um, wonderful offer. So real quick, um, I know sometimes working with consultants and uh, professionals like yourself can be a little intimidating. It's like, can I afford somebody like that? You know, what does this process look like? Um, do I have the time to work with somebody or will I mess it all up because I'm such a hot mess? Like these are some of the questions that I experience. What does it look like to work with you? I really make it as simple as possible. I will start with, I offer all my clients a free 20 minute consultation. So there is no selling in that. You know, I guarantee that everybody will get at least one, but probably closer to three or four nuggets that they can apply immediately. I have a number of different packages. So if you, you know, can't afford to do the full cycle recruiting, I can help you with individual pieces of it. So maybe you just need some help in getting clarity about who you need to hire. You might need uh, help with a job description or writing that marketing-based job ad. You know, so I, I break it down into the easiest possible wins because that's what we want, right? We all want to have some success. And once you start getting those little successes, they build into bigger and bigger and bigger successes. And then it has that snowball effect. So my philosophy is always keep it as simple and as easy as possible. I'm super easy to work with. I am very approachable. Um, communication is really important to me. And I always tell people, doesn't matter what you say to me, you will never hurt my feelings because this isn't about me. It's about helping you succeed. Yes. Oh my gosh. This is why we're friends. <laughs> <laughs> I know it was so cool when we got to meet in person too. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. So we actually got to, um, I may or may not have run into her getting a glass of wine at the National Speakers Association. Conference. We won't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> Side note. <laughs> so um, I know we're going to put all this information in the show notes, but if, for people who are just listening and have exceptional memories, how can people get in contact with you? Sure. They can just email me at Rebecca at YOLOinsights.com. Like I said, I make everything easy. Love it. Okay. Well, bombshells, I know we went a little bit longer than we usually do, but I just felt like there were so many good nuggets and this is such a, a place that uh, many bombshells struggle 
Um, just, I, I know where you are in your businesses and, and, and this tends to be a sticky topic that gets pushed to the back after we talk about marketing and branding and, you know, in-store promotions and all these kind of things. And then meanwhile, we're driving the struggle bus in the background because our employees are not helping us have that brand or give that brand experience to our customers. So I hope that you took a lot of notes on this. Do go find Rebecca, buy the book, um, start with baby steps like everything, pick one thing that you can implement, work on that, and then take the next step from there. Um, be sure again, get these show notes at amberhurdle.com forward slash podcasts with an S and reach out to Rebecca and we will see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Bombshell Business Podcast. Visit amberhurdle.com for more resources like show notes and check out the bombshellbusinesswoman.com to grab my book and download the free bonuses.